Sometimes the leprechauns are not allowed in Adair County by order of the health department. Now get in the goddamn fucking closet now! Do it! Uh, that, that, this, this is what that, that cowboy said to me. I don't like it when I do that. But this is what that cowboy said to me. It doesn't sound right when he's saying it. This is what that cowboy said to me. Lips, peckers, and assholes, they're all you gonna meet along the way. Lips, peckers, and assholes, society gets worse every single goddamn day. Now listen to this. Welcome to the Pure Meat Pure Gold Show. I'm your host, Alex P. Linder. And I'm feeling groovy because the sun is shining here in the Nemo. For once, after days, after weeks, this horrible overcast, it has finally lifted the sun, giving us our gifts. Not just anybody's undershorts, Gordy, they're mine. All that's left is the life-giving juice. I want you to listen to something. This is a, is a classic you may remember from Fran Dreesen. Only gonna list about a minute of the minutes, a little bit, a little bit of this, and then I'll comment on it. She flies so gracefully over rocks and trees and sand, soaring over cliffs and gently floating down to land. She proudly lifts her voice to sound her mating call And soon her mate responds by singing Call, 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 call. with me Me, lesbian seagull Settle down and rest with me All right, you know who that was? I hear someone say, oh, that was Tom Jones. No, that wasn't Tom Jones. You're wrong. Totally wrong. <laughs> uh, soil, Jimbo? No. Dirt. All life emanates from the soil. That was Engelbert Humperdinck. He had to distinguish himself from Tom Jones, so he chose a very uh, uber-Germanic name, as I suppose he considered Engelbert Humperdinck. And it happens to be his birthday today. I heard that on the radio here. Uh, I spent most of this week, and this is podcast number seven of the Hot Dog, the Hot Dog Podcast number seven of the Pure Meat Pure Gold Show, 007, like James Bond, of our new edition. And I, I noticed that Varg has maintained and kept up through the years Radio Estina. That was the earlier iteration of pretty much the same type of show. That when I was a little more exhortatory hortatory lectural I played a sort of professor and did close readings of text gave kind of a call and response read read portions of text and responded to it radioestina.com Bard keeps and maintains that we've got my old shows if you want to hear what I sounded like uh, 
Prila deluge or before the flood, as it were. I'm a different person now, a different iteration. I'm not saying I'm better. I'm probably not better. But uh, no more experience, more so maybe a little better in that way. But uh, as long as I can emanate and record my emanations. Much as a cop might look at a fingerprint blotter and he holds it sacred. The way some people hold their marriage that's how I feel about talking to you people. It's very important to me that I get across what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is so I've been on a good good role. VNN's been on a good role. We got a lot of people, we got a lot of a lot of eyeballs, uh, some new people. VNNforum.com, I encourage you to join. Uh, follow me on Twitter, AlexLender5 on Twitter. Got about 600 followers. Anyway, so things are going well. Go to bed Sunday night, 1 a.m., feeling groovy. Ready to get up and write my own language column. Get up at... And this is just prefatory to what I'm going to get into today. We're not going to do a long podcast today. It's going to be short, but it's going to be very intense. I know you're going to feel it in your marrow. There's a nice day out there, and I need to be planting some seeds. So I'm going to keep this under an hour because the sun has come out. And frankly, I have that little kid like, oh, oh my God. Oh, my God. The sun's here. The grass is green. The sky is blue. I want to get out there and run around. I just want to run around. You know what I'm saying? When it's overcast all the time, that feeling just builds up. And then then I'm also happy because my then so... I'm sitting here, I'm listening to this show I'm about to tell you about called Party Line here, a local radio show. So my internet goes, I'm like, you've got to be effing kidding me. My internet went out a couple weeks ago. That was horrible enough involving repeated uh, cross-country marathons running to the cable station at back. And then uh, finally get that back. And then the, So I get up, I go to bed 1 a.m. Sunday morning. I get up at 7 a.m. The older you get, the less sleep you need, it seems. Particularly when there's light out. I get up 7 a.m. I'm ready to write. Computer doesn't come on. I'm like, what the f? Ends up being the fan was all mucked up. So it's in the shop for a couple days. So I, I said, in line with my attempted recognition of character flaws and attempt, okay, don't be put off by things. Do what you can do that's in front of you. Do the most important thing that's in front of you. Or as Churchill used to say, much as we don't like him, action this day. If you can, do it. Do it. And do the most important thing on your uh, uh, on your list or that you can be doing. And that way you'll get the most done. That's the recipe for getting the most done in your life. And then you have occasional strategic planning planning times or you, where you look at the, the bigger picture. But So I said, okay, I'm going to refuse to be blocked and get the job done. And so forced offline for a couple days. I didn't know at the time. This is Monday morning, so... Just started reading and I read. This will be reflected in my upcoming. I'll, I'll just write a longer column this coming Monday on language. So I read uh, the book we're going to talk about today. Russell Kirk's Decadence and Renewal in, higher, in the Higher Learning. He's a famous conservative writer. And I also read... Jeez, I read uh, David Foster Wallace. I've almost finished his... 500 page book the pale king which is the last thing he wrote it wasn't completely finished when he committed suicide i got a number of words out of there we'll use it's all about taxes oddly enough it's got some pretty decent stuff second thing i found in the last couple of weeks that really surprised me came from a source i basically did not like the first case woody allen it was blue jasmine 
actually a pretty good movie, a depiction of a high-end wasp illiberal's inability to cope with the new world, the new circumstances she finds herself in after she reports her husband to the FBI for financial shenanigans or crimes in a, in a fit of pique, which thereby lowers her circumstances when he goes to jail and forces her to live with her low-rent sister, and she just can't deal with it. It's a good depiction of a wasp. For a Woody Allen movie, it's good because he's not in it. And it doesn't really deal with Jews at all. And uh, I don't I don't like most Woody Allen movies, but uh, I thought this was actually a pretty good one. It completely surprised me. And I have to say, after the same fashion, this uh, the other surprise of the David Foster Wallace book is actually pretty good. This was a guy who ended up actually teaching at my school, my where I graduated, Pomona. He was uh, teaching, uh, I don't know, uh, some kind of English there. He was like their writer and in-house writer. And he uh, committed suicide, and this was his last work, and they had an editor go through it and kind of put it together. But we're not going to talk about those today. We're going to talk about Russell Kirk and uh, higher education in the post-war period, draw some larger lessons. But I wanted to start off with a little lesbian seagull. Like I said, when I was kicked offline, I listened to local radio, and one of the shows they have is Party Line, and people call in, they're looking for goose eggs, or they're trying to sell their Ford Ranger or their Chevy pickup truck. They're trying to, they sell guns, they, they try to, uh, just uh, tires, all manner of things, and they just leave their phone number. And uh, they mentioned today that it was Engelbert Humperdinck's birthday, so I thought I'd play a little of that. You may remember it from Beavis and Butthead and the hippie Birkenstock-wearing, super-like, looted-out hippie teacher Van Driesen, who's kind of ultra relaxed but uh also very nervous about what beavis and butt dash head butt hyphen head were up to people always spell beavis and butthead wrong and it pisses me off frankly i don't like people who don't pay attention to that kind of stuff anyway they played <laughs> when they were on the bus taking a field trip they did some lesbian seagull but few people might know because uh if, especially if you're younger you might not know that that was an actual song recorded by engelbert humperdinck humperdinck and that's what i played a minute 17 from basically the first verse that i found on youtube some pictures of uh seagulls uh, of indeterminate uh sexual proclivity just flying around in some nice irenic settings irenic means peaceful you uneducated bastard but uh, we don't need to listen to more than a minute of that. You get the idea. It's Engel Humperdinck's birthday. He's like 78. He's still alive. Why he chose that name, I don't know. What his original name is, I don't know. But I'm pretty sure he's British. Perhaps he's even a Jew. I don't know. Wouldn't surprise me. But he was kind of of the era and age and vintage and uh, same general appeal as a what's new, because he got whoa, 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 Tom Jones, who's uh, Welsh, I believe. You can tell by his hairiness. He's built like an ape. All the great ones were, as someone once said, of third baseman. It also applies to Welsh, I believe. And then I hear people, oh, well, Thomas Jones, you know what? Thomas Jefferson may have been Welsh, okay? But Thomas Jefferson's one person. Doesn't dispute the generality. The Welsh are basically apes. And unlike Baptists, I don't look down on apes. I look up at apes. I admire apes. I want to ape apes. Did you know that apish doesn't mean... What I thought it meant for years and misused that, I read it in Schopenhauer, apish, apish veneration of women, he lamented. But you go look it up. It doesn't mean what you think would think it would mean. I'll leave, I'll leave it to you to, to look that up. Maybe I'll use that in my, uh, my language. Let me write that down here. Hold on. 
Hold on, little, little chickens. All right, spring chickens. All right, spring chickens. So let's see. I will include that apish in my uh, coming uh, column this Monday, which will be extended, even though it's normally far more than you get in any other person's column, because that's how I do it. That's how I roll. Anyway, we... Uh, so we're finally getting some semi-decent weather here, and I'm listening to this uh, this show. It's very interesting because I don't read the local paper, and they uh, there was a reference to a uh, how the, on on the on the party line. It's not just people buying and selling, but you're allowed to raise issues of local interest and just give your opinion real quickly. And this show mostly caters to old people, and the issue this week was kind of the the dog park this is again an hour show like 10 at 10 to 11 a.m on i think am radio it is the main station here that broadcasts the cardinals and it's kind of aimed at older rural more rural people i think kirksville is classified as semi-rural it's a town of seventeen thousand. but uh there was some complaint about well first of all this is kind of interesting there was a uh and the reason I'm saying all this is prefatory. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to re- relight a Kirksville today. Start making a few posts there. We had a, a long-standing problem that Varg tells me he's cleaned up with uh, WordPress has holes that let in bugs, and they ate a lot of the content, which is... VNN has probably had two major content losses. We lost, like, the whole of this just-in section at one point a few years in, and we lost probably half the posts on Kirksville today but I'm gonna I'm gonna resuscitate it and go with that and uh, I, I think now we're we've got it cleaned up so that uh, it'll be okay interesting there was supposedly a cross lighting in Kirksville and the cops are out reassuring everybody that it wasn't anything racial it was some family dispute whatever the hell that means they won't name the suspect but that's something I heard on radio and like I said I don't I talk to some people but oftentimes I have no more from relatives who live out of uh, out of state who get the paper and sometimes look through it they know more about what's going on here than i do because my confines are fairly limited and i don't i don't it's not like there's a hell of a lot of news generated here anyway but uh besides that cross lighting which i have a feeling was far less dramatic than that sounds but in any case Oh, there was a the, the issue of the week was dog park, and there most people seem to be against. Well, you know that small dog, the dog is going to bite the other dogs and fight the other dog. Somebody's going to bite them, and then there's Kirksville's going to get sued. So they're worried about that. And then someone says, "Well, they tried to sneak that uh, that ghetto place by in the uh, preferred family. They got these, you know, quasi. I don't know if they're NGO or quasi governmental or." somewhat affiliated with the juvenile etc court system where they bring in teens or people with various chemical dependencies you know alkies you know there's a reason for good old words like he's an alcoholic he's a junkie she's a whore she's a prostitute right good old-fashioned although i i kind of do wonder how prostitute it's a little more latinate and multi-syllabic it's almost like it's a, it's one of those odd cases where the prostitute is the base word. If you're not trying to use a euphemism or a dysphemism, again, you ignorant bastard, a dysphemism is the opposite of a euphemism. Do I have to explain everything around here? I'm trying to pitch this to the level of fifth graders. I swear some of you people will not be graduating this fall. Anyway... 
Have you noticed I'm pretty condescending? <laughs> I'm laying it on pretty thick. What was that from? I can't remember. <laughs> That's great. Well, since I'm here and you're really smart, that must mean... <laughs> that was from Tommy Moy. Are you? Because I'm laying it on pretty thick. No, anyway, so... Uh, it's odd. Normally, the blunder a word, the more likely it is to be Anglo-Saxon, like, fuck, shit, eat finger hand arm are all anglo-saxon sort of original german words that that transfer directly into english even ellen bogan for elbow pretty close but uh it's odd that the base word for a certain thing that's kind of a permanent essential part of reality like a like a prostitute a woman who accepts money for sex it's odd that the base word there would be i assume i've never looked it up i don't know what the but because it's so many syllables, it's probably Latin or Greek. They usually are. But uh, for it's funny. It's not like it really is. I often wonder if was prostitute. What word would they have used? I know they even used words like drab. Drab back in Shakespeare's time meant meant whore. But so many words. Almost every negative collective term for women that at one time or another has been employed to mean prostitute. But uh. I don't know if prostitute was always the sort of base word for that, what what the leftist ideologues today call sex worker or not. But it's unusual in that it is multisyllabic. It's, it's kind of an interesting little thing if you think about it. It's everything else that tend to be one, one, one syllable. Like you need one syllable for human copulatory, pullulating activity. The fuck. Great, great word can be used like fix. Very nice little simple word. Fuck, eat, shit. And then you've got prostitute. Drab, whore, streetwalker, courtesan. But the these all are shades or variations. But for the basic thing, for some reason, prostitute is the word. We don't need to get hung up on that, do we? Anyhow, uh, interesting that uh, just as my media law... Number one is that the people are always to the right side, to the white side of the controlled official anti-white junk media. So it is on the radio. Even the radio serving the older Americans who are known to be more conservative and even the ones who receive of, of all the uh, canned commentary they get is almost all, whether it's history, opinion, almost all very right-leaning right on the AM radio. So I suppose it's no one left but... Older rural types or semi-rural types that listen to this stuff, but uh, you know the guy says, "Oh, they're trying to build. They, they try to sneak through that new ghetto place. Family, per see, there's there's on one side of town. I know they had you know the county health and they had some of that preferred family. So I don't know what this guy is referring to, but now I know there's something going on, and I haven't heard it in any other place. I have haven't heard it from, but then again, I don't follow it that closely, so." That's on me. But anyway, I'm going to resuscitate Kirksville today. I'll start making some posts about the local and the global and the global and the local, as you will. And almost anything you can take and tease it into a microcosm or reduce it to a uh, – or, or blow it up into a macro macrocosm. A co you know, you, you see, you take one little local incident and you can tease the, the – greater meaning out of it because a lot of it is, is relevant to the world at large and I'll be cross-posting those on VNN so you don't have to look for updates just uh, 
they'll be they'll be on the forum at vnnforum.com and I we've had new people join but I need you know let me let me speak on this a little bit when you come into a new situation whether it's online or offline let's say it's a bar offline or let's say it's a forum online you want to look in and say it's new to you and and see what kind of people are there and how they're acting and you want to fit yourself into the existing situation or say you're moving to a new country you want to fit in and assimilate and find out where you fit into it and how you can add a little bit. What you don't want to do is just breeze in there and start blah, 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 blah. That may be even be technically legal, but it's not an advisable way to act. So when you get to VNN forums, spend some goddamn time reading the sticky threads. Sit back, look at the overall architecture of the thing. How is it set up intellectually? What are the different subforms that we have? How, what are the sticky threads? What what seems to be the point here? What are they trying to convey? Do I have the basics here of this particular internet community? And then I see where I fit in and, and what, what I have to offer that can add to it. That's how the, the right reasoning man would react to something, just about anything. Everything pretty much works that way. So take that in mind. If you breeze in and blah, 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 blah. It's pretty hard to take you seriously as anything other than a potential troll or an idiot. Anyway, before we get to our official stuff, and we're just going to look at the one, the, one, uh, the one book today and the one theme and subject. It's funny how many of these, these country people, I'm looking for catfish and I'm looking for some uh, morels. Anybody got some, uh, some mushrooms that are reasonable? And they always say mushroom and they always mean morel by it. Now, morel are these sort of honeycombed uh, mushrooms and there are false morels that can make you very, very sick and nauseated if you, if you eat them thinking they're the real morels. And they're kind of sort of a brown, white, honeycombed, mushroom and one woman today called in and said i will not pay 45 dollars for a gallon of morels but yesterday i think someone was offering a gallon of morels for about 25 dollars but multiple people were after them they must taste really good i don't know they just look like a mushroom to me i've seen them they, they grow mushrooms are fairly difficult to reproduce or to grow commercially from what i have been told by people who are actually almost in that business and so they they require certain temperature humidity maybe even pressure in order to spring forth and it's not completely scientifically calculable i guess so when spring comes it's more that you know the time of year they appear you know where they generally appear you know on the on the on the roots of different trees and around the roots of of some of these trees and people go out in the country and they they know where they're found and they gather them up and i guess they really sell them and like to eat them it's kind of a country thing it reminds you Listening to this local radio while I was an unwillingly forced offline, it just reminds you that there really is, contrary to what uh, the semi-right-wing Liz Lemon on 30 Rock said, there really is a real America that's distinct from New York City. And it is more genuinely American than, than a, that big city is. She specifically disputed that point at one of the 30 Rock shows, but listen to these old people and you'll get a sense this is what this really is the, the aspect of america that's not really talked about anymore but it still is there it's just people who are kind of country people doing country stuff you know you'll hear a guy call in oh yeah we're having a ffa and the future farmers of america is having a having a 
fundraiser over to the tractor supply. It'd be nice if we get a real crowd show up there. Get you a shoddy and get you a, a nice barbecue beef sandwich. And it's hosted by a guy called Droll Steve. He's his name's Steve, and he's he's definitely droll, but in, in a in a sort of in a sort of like I don't say watered down Letterman way, but you know that just very dry, very droll. And he has an imaginary assistant called Raul that he makes fun. He he has a whole shtick, and this this stuff has been going back for decades. It's it's very pleasant to listen to for an hour. And then, of course, you know, all they play from then is stuff from the 70s and 80s. I heard a lot of those songs I hadn't heard in a long time. And I also uh, was actually able to read the Kirk book. That's a few hundred pages that we're going to talk about. And then, uh, and I got a lot to say on that. Like I said, the uh, David Foster Wallace. And then uh, even I started reading that other uh, Casual Vacancy, another novel by uh, J.K. Rowling, the, the woman who wrote. I, I referred to before uh, what I do on VNN Forum. I do movie thumbs. I watch a bunch of movies and trying to find ones to review. Most are not worth reviewing. Most are worth a couple lines or a couple paragraphs. Anything short of a full review I call a movie thumb, and I post in original articles and, and twit out my movie thumbs every time I've seen five or six or have enough to write about recently. I do the same thing for books, or I don't know if I have, but I'm going to. I have written a number of one or two sentence reviews, and I had intended to review. The other book I finished was Revolt of the Masses by Evola. I also finished Bill White's uh, Mother Tradition of the Mother, and I wasn't going to write a review, but I, I flat can't do it. Whether I, I simply don't have a big enough background philologically or etymologically or uh, dealing with the mythology of religion, religion and mythology and anthropology. It simply can't be condensed into anything that I can write about at length, but I will, uh, I will do at least a book thumbs on that. And I will pull out some of the best stuff that I found in revolt against, uh, against the modern world by Evola post that. And to me, that was the stuff he said about modern women. I thought he really nailed the psychology as well as I've ever seen it done save for Schopenhauer. It's probably the ultimate. Schopenhauer, of course, did not like his mother. And they actually had a little, there was some little jibe they had. He's, he's like, my books will be around long after yours. She's like, of course, that was going to be on the shelves because no one bought them. <laughs> How's that for, she wasn't supportive. I, I need to be supported in what I do. I need your emotional support. Because I don't know if what I'm doing is any good. So unless I get a loving, positive hand on the upper shoulder blade reaction, I, I really fear that I cannot go on. You know, I may join my brother earthworms under the turf. I might feel a little more comfortable in their presence unless they're supportive of me. Because I need support. To me, that is just faggoty. So faggoty. You know what? Guys, have faith. Have faith. You don't need to have faith in God. You need to have faith in your goddamn sense organs. That's what I don't get. People don't, they refuse to believe what their fucking eyes tell them. I've used this example before, but God damn it, I'm going to use it again because it's so good. The late Atkins, the guy who basically invented the, the, no, the idea of no or extremely reduced carbohydrate as the way to actually lose weight, would say that people would go on his diet and lose weight and they could physically see he's like standing on their scale they could see they lost weight 
But so strong was the power of propaganda, they could not accept that his diet was actually right because so great is their inherent biological tropism to bow, grovel, and fillet authority that, oh, my God, the food pyramid. That rather than seeing that as an example of a regulatory institute working hand-in-hand with giant agribusiness to promote something that was profitable rather than good for the human body, you know, the mere fact that it was coming from authority is enough to persuade them, well, ultimately it must be right. And so many people think like this. And don't ever fool yourself that it's anything other than biology at work. The same impulse that drives school fish to turn at the same time, drives cows to act the same way, is, is very definitely existent in humans. And pretty much only a small minority, under 10%, let's say, has, has been able to get away from that. And those are the, among, among those you'll find the, the less religious people, the doubters, the skeptics. So that anyone who says that faith is, the, faith is what creates and sustains civilization is completely wrong. It's the doubters and the skeptics. Now, the, the mass of people may be faithful or whatever, but they're not the ones who produce the pro- progress among humans, technical progress. And this is why I get so tired of these clowns. You vote, oh, there's no, they, they, they make, they take so lightly things material and, and technical progress so lightly. Now, I, I guess I can sort of understand that as an overreaction to everyone else is praising it. But when I like, I don't see other people praising. I don't see people as really as, as materialistic as these people do. I don't think they really are. Most people are pretty fucking generous. And they, they want to help. Christ, I was out when my computer walked down, broke down. Okay. I had to walk a few miles and I was getting a little wet. I was, I was dressed up fairly nicely because I had to, you know, I was looking around for a computer shop and I was looking, I was going to look at buying a computer and I was going to look at this and that. And I was walking around, but it happened to be a wet day because I waited a whole day for one guy to get back to me and he never did. So I'm like, all right, time to initiate action. I'm walking around. I walked by this guy's like, "Hey, you need a ride?" I'm like, "No, dude. I'm all. I'm all right. I'm all right." But I appreciate the offer. And so I don't think people are super. I think people are actually looking to help as much as they are. Oh, so my money, money, money. Oh, I gotta get my. I don't. I don't know. I just think these guys. These guys who were so long to bring back the Middle Ages when everyone's locked into their little position and no one can change. I think they're really seriously seriously underestimating what is good in this actual material world that is the only one that we actually know that we have. See, this is the essential point that these guys cannot admit and cannot get past, no matter how they try to. Their world is suppositious. They they are imagining. They may not be Christians. They may even be anti-Christian. They're still imagining. All their world is imaginary. It does not exist. So let's not blip over that fact too quickly. Because it does actually freaking matter. Material things are nice little things. And you can't just blip over, oh, you know, back then, oh, the cobbler, they just, oh, they put all their love into the shoes. They did. They loved the shoes. They were part of a guild. You know, and, and, and that Sam Kinison, they, they took it seriously. Well, okay, you know, I'm sure that's true of some of them. I'm sure there's a great pride in, oh, I'm part of the Shoemakers Guild. Oh, that's fucking awesome. But you know what? Maybe the soul is gone, but technically the soul is, uh, I'd rather have a good soul than a, a soulful shoe of dubious 
workmanship or inferior materials. You know, and you see ultimately what you come back to is you go from this custom, from individual tailoring, where people don't have enough basic quality shoes to mass production of shoes where there's more than enough to back to mass customization. That's sort of the natural, almost Hegelian, dare I say. Whoa, getting big there. Thesis, synthesis, no, thesis, antithesis, synthesis. You see how that works? Mass customization, right? That's an oxymoron. But it makes sense, doesn't it? Just in time, why produce something until it's actually known to be needed and then produce it as precisely and close to the location it's needed as possible? Hell, you even get you even get the idea of 3D printers if they ever are able to lower the cost enough to where that can be done. But uh, uh, these middle ages guys, it, it, it just irritates me. I think they're seriously underestimating the real progress that has been. Hey, I agree in the morals and the rest of this stuff. We might as well have gone backwards as forwards for all I know. But I don't think that they make a lot of the point we haven't we haven't advanced in moral. Yeah, but we haven't really gone backwards either. I don't think people ever really do advance in that stuff. We've advanced on the stuff where we can, the technical stuff. And that cannot be underrated. If you if you took someone in the Middle Ages and gave them a choice of living then or now, they would choose now. I guarantee you they would all choose now. It's basically only a handful of intellectuals of a particular right-wing bent who are the ones who want to return to that sort of stasis. And it's not the worst of all worlds, the world they outlined, but I don't know. I, th- I think... People who have the choice of freedom and social and physical mobility will take that damn near every time. And I don't see anything wrong with that. I like that, you know, I can hop in a car and bust out to the coast, whether it's South Texas or bust out to California, San Francisco or something, or bust out to Washington, D.C. I like that. People couldn't do that, even even in the early decades of the 1900s. They couldn't do that. So you tell me it's worse because we now have that, oh, my God, they put in roads and that was the second end of the South. We couldn't maintain our traditions. Eating dirt was never the same after they brought in the roads. I I find it, you know, you're kind of faggy, guys. You're skewing a little faggy. You're skewing a little afraid. I mean, white man's about questing, baby. It's not about traditions. Have to, and this is what these clowns don't get. His traditions were not started. This is what Burke said. And I wish he were alive so I could interview him and just knock his goddamn head off because I would whip him. Like, oh, the individual is foolish, but the species is wise. That, that is, you tell me how that is not the exact same as <laughs> the famous joke. We lose a little on each sale, but by golly, we make it up in volume. By, by mathematical definition, the individual cannot be foolish, and yet the species is wise. It doesn't work like that. What it is is people, people, eat, people go out and scrounge for mushrooms. And they, 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 you know, they just look kind of the same. Let's just uh, let's let Jim. He's, a, he's kind of a special needs caveman. Let's let him eat them. So Jimmy, you know, they do it more or less scientific. And, that, and that's the start of science. It goddamn sure isn't any... Science is not religious. Christians will claim that they invented breathing, excreting, mating, and everything. They, they will claim they invented everything, and none of it is true. They invented nothing. Nothing. Not one damn thing. Except bad art. That, that is a legitimate Christian invention. Bad art. And ridiculous overwrought architecture, I suppose you could also say. But 
The first person you notice that there's a cause and effect, that's your first scientist. That's what science is. It's acknowledging that some reality exists. It's not just a whim of these gods. And when you do something, you get results, and they're reproducible, not just by you, but by anyone who follows the same conditions. That's, that's all science is. It's nothing grandiose. It's merely submitting yourself to acknowledging, to deigning, to condescending to acknowledge that reality exists, and then operating by that. <coughs> you see, so so the first people that exist, well, we like to, I got some berries, and then you got some strawberries, and we got some, I don't know, well, I don't know, elderberries or pokerberries or some kind of uh, poisonous red berries. You got some good morels, and you got some some fake morels that are poisonous and they feed them all to the special needs caveman Jim and he eats them and uh, boom he gets sick off ones and they notice which ones he gets sick off you know so something like that is where tradition comes from let's see even if even if there's any kind of delay between what people do and the result like drinking water carried through lead pipes which leads to like eating the Roman equivalent of eating paint chips and reduces in hurts people physically but because there's not an obvious connection, cause and effect, people can't make it out until decades later when the science comes along. But you see, people like Burke would have us just worship the, oh, because it's a tradition, you know, oh, because... Let me tell you, friend, tradition doing battle with Neo stuff, it's exactly like like a boxer, a world champ boxer. You give tradition a modest, a modest edge, but you, you don't worship it by any means because half these traditions were basically things that were just fallen into there is no deep serious good reason for them that's true of at least as many traditions as not and so they, they vastly overestimate the value of tradition and they underestimate the good things that can be come up with and really as long as you have the reconciling principle of checking them against reality uh you can't really go that far wrong and but you know but then they'll uh, they'll lead into Jeremy ads against uh, against uh, planning and engineering and rationality and I grew up reading all this stuff and I was always a little suspicious but the older I've gotten the more I've seen it's just it's just flat wrong basically all they've done is undermine they have an emotional preference for faith over reason and so they've used that to basically concoct a case against rationality. And all this does is strengthen the mind of the common run of idiots that your mind doesn't actually work and you should never really trust your sense organs or your perceptions or your ability to think and you should just rely on some authority. Uh, your authority is... Uh, rely on the authority is usually some boy-molesting, censor-swinging, papin-jerk, you know, and you're going to rely on them. Okay, that doesn't sound like a very good policy or path to me. But that's how these people ultimately... How the hell can the individual be foolish but the species be wise? It doesn't. That doesn't work. It doesn't compute. It doesn't add up. Check the math. We've checked the math on that. It doesn't work. If the species is wise, then it can only be because the, the majority of, of people do have heads. It, it really is. It's like someone else can be your savior and die for your sins... Someone else can do your thinking for you. What else can they fucking do for you? Can they fucking eat and shit for you and lift weights for you? And I mean, I mean basically, these people are against anyone using their head. Well, why do humans even have heads then? Why aren't they encephalous? 
They have heads to do thinking. You can't subcontract your thinking to someone else without incurring a real problem. And sometimes you recognize you're not the expert and you need someone who has a more specialized, refined type of knowledge, but that's okay. That's not the same thing. You are still consciously thinking your way to that conclusion. You're not just blindly. There's a reason they call it blind faith because you know best. The priest knows best. I know he may seem to be old, greasy old bop with his hand always on kids' knees, but, you know, he know best. We best not say anything. We best not stick our head out. You know, how in the world can this sort of thing be admirable or good? Is this what we want? Is this the kind of people we want to create? Well, <laughs> sure seems to be characteristic of the type of people who predominate in the society we're living in. And they're run hern on by people who are much more aggressive and much more intellectual. This is what I've been trying to convey in recent months on VNN. You know, people who, people of the good book are always going to be dominated by people who read books. So I encourage you listening, don't abandon the good book and learn to read books. Because the good book ain't that good. Truly isn't, isn't a good book. It's a bad book. And its effects on our race have been extremely pernicious. Worse even than eating false morel mushrooms have the effects of the Bible been on the white race. All right, now let's turn to the text at hand. And uh, no singing today. I'm not in the mood for singing really so much. Feeling good though. Feeling ebullient as needs be. Now, ah, can't believe it's already 40 minutes in. All right. Let's see. Uh, we got Russell Kirk, decadence and renewal in higher learning. Who is Russell Kirk? Why should you care what who he is? Well, he's one of the sort of fathers of modern conservatism, uh, traditional, not neo, not paleo, just conservatism. One of the one of the main figures after World War II. His book, The Conservative Mind, is probably one of the most famous books. Sort of a his doctoral dissertation. He wrote over at St Andrews over in Scotland. He went over there as a graduate student. He's from a little. He, he's from kind of the bad side of a, of a town around Detroit. Kind of a his father was in the railroads, and not an intellectual background, but he was a child of great promise. And he went to I think it was uh, was it Michigan State. He wound he, he's a Michigan guy. Ultimately, he was associated with a couple of different Michigan universities, not the one in Ann Arbor. That's the most famous one, but. Uh, Michigan State and Eastern Michigan, I believe, are the ones he's more associated with. But anyway, he did his his main work was done over at St. Andrews, and this book was written in 1978, and it rehashes American academia in the years after World War II. Okay, so now what do we know about? American uh, academia and what does he have to say about it well as I said he wrote this in 78 so you know you've got uh, the flood of GIs returning after World War II from Europe and the GI Bill and the extreme growth of academia the metastasizing of the beast to use a word that's generally associated with cancerous development, the development of tumors, oncologic, the oncological expansion 
of the initial infectious route, let's say. Before the war, you, you got to understand the, the greater. Uh, my, my, my mom used to say, my, my grandmother, who was a Christian scientist, who was, uh, she was, I, I've told this story before. She was a little girl. They lived in California. My, that side of my family were kind of, uh, I guess, richer elite or wasp types at that point. And they experienced a real social downfall as a result of the earthquake and fire in 1906. But uh, my grandmother, Rudy, Swiss name, was bitten by a rattlesnake as a girl on the earlobe. She was bitten on the earlobe, fell into a coma, and wouldn't come out of it. And they did everything they could, and finally someone told them about Christian science, and they started praying in that way, and she came out of the coma. So Yahoo, it was Christian science that, uh, that did it. And that's what they believed, and that's why my mom was a Christian scientist and raised us that way. I never personally believed it. I could see as a child, but I do credit it with pushing me down the path I was already on, which is like, I'm going to believe what my eyes and what my nose and what my mouth and what my brain tell me. I, I have the feral house audacity to rely on my own authority when it comes to these. I think, I think you have a brain and fingers and nose for a reason and I, I think if there's any morality involved with all this, is if you don't have the guts to trust what your own se sense instincts tell you, you're not even on the level of a fucking animal. You're beneath the animal. That's why I don't like religion. I will always attack it. It's an incredibly negative thing. It, it, it's literally devolutionary. It tries to turn people back into an animal state, a pre-animal state almost. It's, it's not believing in faith. Or maybe I should better say, I always get into this debate, it's not that faith is wrong, but you need to have the faith that, that reasoning actually works, even though it will sometimes lead you to different conclusions if you can't reason correctly, and it won't give you objects, it won't tell you how to value stuff, but you're, but you know, you're, you, the way that you live and the way that you want to live will supply that. Reason will allow you to connect the facts that your sense organs are feeding you together to form a coherent picture of the world, and one that you can rely on. They go, oh, have you ever seen a mirage on the highway, you know, like in the summer sun, you're out in the and you're down across the van, and they're, what, it looks like there's water out there. So that, that proves you can't rely on those shit. Yeah, okay. Let, that, that's like saying, well, I know some whites who are just as bad as most blacks. Let's take the exception and use it to deny the rule. Generalizations aren't fair and not real and don't exist because you can come up with an exception. Yeah, buddy, you gotta check your, you gotta check your windshield. You gotta wipe that thing off. Yeah, you can be wrong. Generally, do your sense organs? No, they don't. Do they generally faithfully report to you the truth of sensorial reality? Yeah, they do. So can you rely on them? And and have is have faith misplaced when it comes to like, my eyes tell me what's going on around me. I use my nose to sniff out the catfish. Smell out them morels. I use my, what I do is see is I go out in the woods and I use my peepers and I use my sniffer in conjunction. I, I tie them together into one sensuous package and I smell what's going on. I smell it out and I knows, I knows from using my mind, you see, because I've done this for many years. I know we'll go to the old oak tree in the back corner there and I look I look under it for a root, and I see, why, sure enough, morels growing there. My eyes tell me they're morels. 
My tongue tells me they're morels. My nose tells me they're morels. And my mind tells me there was morels here in the past. Working all together with faith in my sensorium, we come up with fresh morels. We sell them for $25 a bucket on party line. That's how we do. That's how we do. Is it true we never been to the loo? <laughs> That's the greatest nigger song ever. Moving like Bernie. These niggers learn new lazy dip from a fictional corpse. Is this a great world or what, man? I, that just freaking gets to me. It gets me. I, my grandma used to say, and my mom would always kind of like laugh at it. She would say, I was got. I was got. As, as kind of a country or expression for I was emotionally, you know, like verklempt. As Mike Myers, not necessarily a Jew. Try to find that he's a Jew. The SNL guy and then the uh, I Married an Axe Murderer, probably his best work. Not a Jew. See, plenty of plenty of these funny people are actually German. You, you wouldn't believe that. Germans aren't supposed to be funny, but plenty of them are. I'm not saying they're funnier than other people. I'm saying they have they are as funny going by percentages, or at least they produce as high a fraction of the truly funny people out there as any other race. I'm, I am asserting that, yes. Mike Myers, who was, who was the late guy who was shot on SNL? He played kind of the solid male stiff, the male authority figure in a lot of these. A good, a good solid executive. He was kind of a surfer from L.A. out that way. He was of German descent as much as, as anything else. A lot of these guys are mixed. They're like Eminem. They're like German and Scottish, Scotch-Irish. There's a lot of those, those types. Eminem. Uh, what was his name? Dan something. God damn, I forget. But his wife blew him away because apparently he was cheating on her. But uh, I got a little lost there. My point is, if you're going to have faith, why not have faith that you're God? I mean, why do people have heads? And the humans not only have heads, they have big fucking heads with giant brains. Now, why is that unless there's some goddamn reason for it? The Catholic man tell you, oh, don't be confused by the head. It's not there for a reason. You just, you just follow the leader. Followed the, the boss cow. You followed the sheep. You pay attention to the sheepdog pedophile. Yes, 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 yes. Now, are, are humans supposed to be herd animals? I, I don't know. I mean, they say only one in twenty has a real spark. <laughs> and nineteen and twenty are followers, and maybe, maybe there is some reason for that, or it's biologically inevitable. But who do you admire? Do you really admire people who just follow along? I'm a good. Well, what do you get when you follow along? You get your average Catholic, which is nothing. You get your public school, too, which is nothing. I mean, I went to public school. I can remember, God, maybe two, three teachers that were worthwhile and I respected as men. One was, I wish I could remember his name, a Mormon biology teacher. I took AP biology from him, and I got like a four of the test. Five is the highest you could get. I got a four. And that I got a four not giving a shit about biology because it doesn't really interest me. I wasn't into science and stuff, wondering about it, hoping. I was, I was there, dealing with literate arts and humanities. And that's what Kirk is talking about in Decadence and Renewal in Higher Education. He's talking about the shit that matters, and it damn sure isn't scientific stuff. Yeah, we all appreciate that for the benefits it brings, but life is not some grim plotting journey from, you know, from the sweaty, glistening, bloody maw. You know his mom to the sinking, stinking suck hole called the grave. 
when oh yeah stop off to pay the local assholes five or six thousand dollars to stick you in a plot in the ground what a everything in life is a scam i tell you don't let me don't get me started i will speak for five freaking uninterrupted hours on how everything in this fucking life and like many of you and unlike many of you also unfortunately you life rejectors i've dealt with pretty much every scam there is to deal with on this green earth apart from marriage i've alluded to that but uh what does marriage mean these days not not a hell of a lot legally but uh birth death yeah they're complete scams complete scams utter scams how were people ever born before hospital how did the human race survive without doctors and machines to hook people up to and they put the fear of god in these idiotic cow folk that are women idiotic cows moo moo there's no way to remove the milk unless you have an electric milking machine it's not possible your giant udders are going to explode that baby will never come out unless he's hooked up to a number gram 15 different number grams they all cost twenty five thousand dollars and we have to mortgage them out. And they scare them with all this horseshit. Look, it's a baby. It's inside you. It's hooked to you by a cord. Kind of like shit inside your computer. Yeah. So they they put these women on these platforms. And then they fucking, I swear to God, they, they lift their maws over their head. So they're like giving birth up fucking hell. Yeah, no wonder it's difficult, you assholes. Gravity doesn't go away because you're hooked up to a bunch of goddamn medical machines that they're trying to write off over the years. I've forgotten the specific accounting term. What is it they, they rewrite? You know, the point is they, they, everything in life is a scam, and that sure as hell includes death. Death is one of the biggest scams going. It's ridiculous what a scam death is. Wait till someone you know dies, and you're responsible for dealing with it. Hell, I haven't even had to deal with it directly, other than indirectly. I dealt with more like the the route up to death. I didn't deal with the actual dealing with death of paying for the interment and the and the casket and, and the rest of the crap that surrounds that as we do death in these lower 48. But rest assured, it is a scam. Genuine scam. But I get off course. Another scam is college, and we have a wonderful thread devoted to it. I put a lot of effort into it, and others have chipped in too. And it's in scams, which is a subforum in our, our main uh, our main section, I think it is, one of our top two anyway. Why is it I can never remember? I can never remember which one stuff is in. I'll look it up right now. I think it's under general. Am I right? And, of course, I'm, I think, yes, yes, it's under general discussion scams and it's as we do things at vnn it's our number one it's college that's all the name of it. i haven't called it a number one college thread like i've called other stuff i have a number one pomona college thread but just college under scams and we have all kinds of great stuff if you want to know why college is a scam well my analysis of this book is going to fall in line with this and you go read that thread if you want to know why college is not a great idea these days because most people don't even know what college actually is in fact most people teaching college don't know what college actually is so what what is college 
What it, what is what is the point of learning? Have most college educators, college presidents, college deans ever even thought about these questions? Probably not, honestly, because they believe the purpose of the college is to grow bigger, like any state, state body. All they want are any bureaucracy. It's laws of bureaucracy. This is why I tell people to read the libertarian stuff, because not everything in life is racial. Race is actually a minor. Politically, it's a huge thing. It is the biggest thing. And that's why we're white nationalists defined by we demand a white sovereign nation. But for daily life where race were removed is the number one main problem that we need to worry about. The stuff that the libertarians write about is actually generally more relevant. And they discover various laws about bureaucratic expansion. And there's no reason at all. These these fit. These ought to fit in and be part of the base knowledge of people who also acknowledge the deeper racial stuff. As I've said, the racial is more like the house the foundation and the roof and the walls and then the, the the interior decoration is more what the conservatism and the libertarians libertarian ideas and studies and thoughts deal with since they basically refuse to acknowledge the importance of race conservative they fail to acknowledge it because they're simply cowards intellectually racialism is perfectly consistent with conservatism because after all, what is there to conserve if not the very people who create these, these who gave rise to these traditions and the, these culture? It's not separable from race. It comes from the race. Races have their different ways of doing things that are obviously race-related. The idea that race doesn't matter is either a deliberate lie or it's a undeliberate confusion or, or delusion on the part of, of certain people because they, they think that because they can imagine something it's possible when that's not true and that's where the actual if humility is needed anywhere it's needed there in acknowledging that one can be wrong if you accept that one can be wrong that there's some higher principle out there to which one's views should be checked against that's all the humility you need Beyond that, you need pride to stand up and speak your mind and learn and, and uphold high standards. Humility will only hurt you there. But see, I see it the opposite way of the Christians do. They think that they exalt humility, love, and mercy. And I think those are second-rated best. And, and they have dangers that are never spoken of, except by me. That's my job. And and we white nationalists, can you can copy what I'm saying. You can You can perhaps better it or apply it in different circumstances than I do as as you will know from your own life but you can use the same arguments I'm using anyway Kirk his book is uh, as I said written in 78 it's about 350 pages and it deals with academia in the post-war period at least up till only up till 78 obviously and he get, he sort of goes year by year but the basic idea here is college let's look at it this way why does it exist and then how has it existed in america what, what's the purpose of education the purpose of education this is his theme his main theme is intellectual means to ethical ends and that means it's it's focus of college's intellectual work but it's intended to produce someone with sort of a long-term vision of this is how man ought to act and this is how man ought to ought to create a society and he's always concerned with order the order of the soul 
the moral order, the social order. And college liberal arts general humane studies, which incorporates science, is meant to not to job train you or to give you a social status of having some degree. It's meant to create for the people who are capable of it acquaint them with the best that's been thought and said in order that they might properly order themselves and their activities and their greater society. So it gives people sort of a long range view of like, this is where people have been. This is where we might be going. These are the kind of things that have cropped up as problems in the past. This is how people have dealt with these different human drives and problems created by history and in organizations and this is this is what we know is likely to result from these things and give people just a more better sense of their context basically the idea that vnn is always trying to embody of teaching you this is the clearest if you go to vnnforum.com you'll get the clearest conception of the context you occupy as a white man or woman white man always encompasses white women if i just say white men because mainly who I'm aiming at, but it goes just as well. I know there are women who listen to this because they've written me. When I say white man, that encompasses white men and white women. And hell, you don't even have to be white to understand what I'm saying and get benefit from it because it's, it's true. It's just reality true. It's reality positive. What you need from someone who's a journalist or a scholar or professor is to give you the, the full context in which you live so that you can understand yourself and the meaning of your own life. And contrary to these people, it does not have to have any kind of religious orientation at all. That's just a popular, fantastic context. But it doesn't actually exist. God, there, there is no God out there who created all this. And, and the way you can tell is if there were, then you would be able to draw some comprehensible meaning. And see, they'll, they're copying, oh, well, you know, God works in mysterious ways. But you know what? If God didn't work in mysterious ways, if God worked in consistent, intellectually identifiable patterns, you'd be hyping the fuck out of that, you religious lying fuck. You know you would. There's, there's just such a fundamental greasiness about the religious type and mindset. And it's it somehow made worse. Like patchouli oil and some 60-year-old hippie. It's made worse when it comes from these old people who are undeniably high IQ, high quality people. I mean people like Catholic E. Michael Jones or Russell Kirk. It's just, it's just, God, it's like, can you not smell this stink of that shit, man? It's wrong. It's just flat freaking wrong. God works in this now. Give me a fucking break. Everywhere else there are pains to identify. Oh, but then this, oh. Who are we to judge if God lets, you know, little two-year-old kids like John Swoveland Jr. be shot by a couple of useless niggers? Who are we to... Oh, you have no problem judging everywhere else, do you? You have no problem saying everything that happens for a reason, everything is part of some greater plan. We can't identify that plan. That's true. We can't make out the outline. The very smartest among us, men with IQs, you know, off the charts, two or three deviations above normal... We can't identify this plan, but that's okay. God works in mysterious ways. He's a weird motherfucker. But who are we to doubt him, man? Well, then how can you even know that you know that he works in mysterious ways? It's absolute look. Either we're on the same goddamn playing field or we're not. And we are. And that's the way to look at it. The right way. Everything. There, there may or degree, differences degree are not kind. Look. There's some something that created the universe. There, it would be goddamn evident. Oh, he's on. Oh, yeah. And the other thing is, oh, well, he 
everything he does, he does for some great, myster yet mysterious, unidentifiable reason, you know. <sighs> but we, but our puny little human minds can't find our way to this reason. But yet we're supposed to study it and discover, and everything that he does is, you know, it, it, it's incomprehensible. This this garbage, and that is not where this such progress as our race has made has come from. It has come from the scoffers and doubters. It's come from the atheist. Either the great art comes from atheism, not from belief. Christ, your great artists are always people like Twain or Mencken. They, they doubt stuff. They laugh at stuff. <clears throat> All you get from religious types is contract work and drama queenism like you get from Dostoevsky, you know, long, long. And if, yeah, his shit's so great. Now, read his shit. It's not that great. It's not that great. Great? Is it great? Eh, maybe it's great. It's not that great, though. You think Shakespeare is a fucking religious believer? A believer in bullshit. Bull fucking shit. He was a fucking queer. He was writing campy ass tales that, you know, people, oh, those have emotional effect. Really? Lady Macbeth moves someone emotionally or Hamlet? No, they don't. I've read thousands upon thousands of books. Those things do not move people emotionally. All that is is status seeking by middle class people who have heard that Shakespeare is the greatest writer ever. And thus they think that by saying they like Shakespeare, they label themselves as a man or woman of good taste. That's exactly what they think. They have no actual appreciation for it. They can somewhat cover it verbally because they've been to college, but they, in their heart, they don't know why it's great. Whereas I could sit here and I could speak for two fucking hours on why Mencken is genuinely great. I could go over one fucking phrase. I could make even some of you dimwits listening to this, some of you lackwits, some of you wetwits, some of you thickwits feel what is great about his eminent eminent you feel the mushroom spore explosion on the pa after the awesome leslie nielsen is imminent imminent i mean it is insuperable it cannot be bettered what he did in in two fucking words it makes me literally so happy i jump up and down and slam my feet on the fucking wooden floors just it's glorious man it's glorious And, you know, I see why Arians worship the sun. You know, the, the sun came out, and I, I'm feeling groovy, man. Even when it drifts behind clouds, I feel a subtle alteration of my feelings. I feel a little, not downcast, just a slightly lower key, you know. But when the sun comes out, man, damn, it feels good. It, it, it really is. Like, it, it, it's just weather we've had. I, I fear we're moving into a terrible pattern. It's exactly like the more you beat your head against the wall, the harder you beat your head, the better it feels when you stop. I mean, I know that that fucking man, that's how these Midwestern winters are. It's like, damn, it's like someone grab you by the scruff of the neck and just just jack you into the wall five or six. Bam, 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 bam. And when they don't on the seven, you're like, God damn, that feels good. <laughs> you know, when the seven bounce, your head doesn't hit the wall. You're like, oh, God. It's also also how it kind of feels coming out of a, the slew of a, of a chronic illness where maybe you got back. You people, if you feel like normal, you're fucking so far ahead of the fucking game. You don't even realize how good it is just to fucking feel normal, average, whatever. Because you could be down so long, you don't even know what that freaking feels like. Christ, I wish I were joking or kidding. Enough on that, but I mean, really, man, you got the hours and minutes and days... Your life sees it. Do something. These fucking kids. I remember when I lectured one time. 
at the community college here. Uh, you know, I, people give me invitations. I go speak. I like to talk. You can tell that. I enjoy talking. You know, I, I didn't prepare myself to be an enthusiast, not to get up there in the pole. If there's a pole, by God, I'm going to swing on that pole. Did you know that Mencken invented that word, ecdesiast? It, it's from a gre- he coined it out of Greco roots that mean like stripping of the skin for, for a stripper. Just throwing that in there, buddy. Didn't want you to feel like you left this podcast not knowing anything. Heard a little lesbian seal. We've heard a little etymology. We're trying to deal with a book. We're not getting very far because the guy who's supposed to be telling us keeps breaking into third-rate Amateur impersonations of, I don't know, what's he going for now? Captain Kangaroo? Mr. Ro- I think that's it. Mr. Fred Rogers. That's right. Now, what kind of a grown man wears a sweater? The answer to that, <laughs> you get the answer next Saturday. <laughs> I say a grown man who doesn't know what a grown man is. That's my answer to you. Ah. <clears throat> <sighs> Oh man, I'm feeling I'm feeling good today. I got I can't deny it, man. I'm feeling freaking grieving. You know why? Because I'm gonna I'm gonna plant my seeds. My seedlings grew up. I've got some some melons. I've got some tomatoes. I already transplanted some onions and some garlic. My my herbs did not survive the winter. We had three negative fifteen days, and that proved too much for the little fellows. I thought there might be responding, and maybe even a branch or two would survive, but no. It's uh, groovy as shit to talk tonight. And now, anyway, okay. We may have to break this into, into two pie. You know, I said I was going to be like 30 or 40 minutes. It's already like an hour and 10 minutes. We've hardly touched on the book. But this is like the entry to it. The point here is, before World War II, right, you got all the GIs, you got the draft, the Jews, Jinnis, spin us into war. They all go abroad, then they all come back. And you have the baby boom. You have the GI Bill that basically allows anyone who is a vet to go to college, and their government will pay for. It. Now, before then, college was more like a finishing school that only maybe ten or fifteen percent went to. And what I what I what went into was, my mom always used to say about my grandmother. I before I got lost on that track, she could type a hundred words a minute, and she was a legal secretary, and she knew Latin. And so my, my point is she, I do not think, had gone to any college. And that was typical back then, not just for women, but even for men. No, most of them really didn't go to college that much. It was kind of an elite sort of East Coast waspy thing for people like the Bushes, a sort of finishing school for men, idea of a gentleman's C, and whichever genuine first-rate minds there were also went to college but they were kind of like now they were grinds or whatever but anyway it was for the intellectually elite and then kind of the upper class aristocratic gentlemen as a finishing school but after world war ii there became this great expansion you see as all these colleges tried to turn themselves into universities they tried flush with money from the gi bill they all expanded their buildings and then looked around for students and teachers. And back then there was a teacher shortage. Like now there's a teacher surplus. It's extremely hard to get a tenure track position most places, even if you're completely 100% anti-white and PC. So there's such a surplus of people with PhDs and advanced degrees. And the point was 
Kirk's main point, and we'll go over the specifics next time, but this time I'll just give you the, the basic outline so we're prepared for next time. Kirk's main point was from Plato, the, the ends of education are... Uh, Plato's point, the ed, ends of education, and basically everything that you'll ever find discussed anywhere will trace back to Aristotle or Plato, and that's why you should begin by reading them to know the entire base of the, di the discourse, the debate. I can't stand the way people use those, but for lack of better terms at the moment, the ongoing discourse over the century always traces back to Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, basically. And then those were filtered through the church fathers and, and through the rationalists or on Christians or, or people like Nietzsche who were sons of, of, of preachers who were, who were responding to them. That, that's kind of the intellectual chain that you need to understand. So ultimately, the idea of colleges, the idea of education, what is education? It's supposed to lead to someone who is, it's supposed to lead to wisdom and virtue. Wisdom and virtue. Wisdom and virtue. That's what I wanted you to take away from today's podcast. Wisdom and virtue. What's the point of education? Wisdom and virtue. What's the point of education? Wisdom and virtue. What do you need to know? Wisdom and virtue. And so that's why colleges exist. Where do you get wisdom and virtue? You get them from people generally who are older and more experienced than you but share the same philosophic outlook who know more and can guide you in the right way people oh you learn more from the people you don't know well maybe but only up to a point you, you learn about your opponents until you know their arguments and you know why they're wrong past that point you don't get anything from them you just need to watch out for them or you need to know them in order to snuff them you know per the art of war and the admonitions and advice of whoever wrote that book, Sun Tzu or whatever, that, that very popular book. But the point of education is wisdom and virtue, said Plato, and that's basically the view that Kirk takes. Sounds pretty reasonable, doesn't it? But notice it's not purely intellectual, but it's, it's also intended to produce good people or people good in the way that I described, good citizens of a good republic or, or a, some sort of good political body of people and and then the other you know supporting right reason the proper use of your brain rect ratio radiosinating is another another way of putting the same contact how do i develop my reason to, to to know right reason to know not just facts but know how to learn how to figure things out how to find what i need but also know what what is right reason right reason what is what is wisdom and justice and the, the rest of these things and it's the goal of education as kirk would say to produce ethical ends from intellectual means basically it's teaching you how to use your brain correctly by studying what the best men have have thought and said and yeah there there pretty much is agreement over who's the best and it's not really a directly political thing i mean you can have this political position or that but it's pretty clear that Say someone like Karl Marx was a serious person. You need to read and understand what he's saying, even if he's wrong, as he is wrong. He's still intellectually formidable. And the same with, you know, St. Augustine. For an atheist like me, the same with Nietzsche for someone who's a Christian. 
the body of people who had serious thoughts that need to be entertained to be considered educated is pretty clear, really, to anyone. Despite the PC takeover of the academy and the, and the subsequent replacing of the greatest writers, which is a class that knows no race or color, it just happens that most of them are white men. But that doesn't mean that anyone's excluded. It's because they're better. It's not because they're excluding blacks. It's because they're objectively better to the extent such a thing can be objectively measured. And, you know, even if you want to call it subjectively, most of the best, top, highest, most able people agree that this set of a thousand books by, you know, 250 authors constitute pretty much the best humanity has come up with. Or say at least the West, since, you know, who knows what they've all come up with in the East. I don't fully know. But in our tradition, in our race's background, in our general Western tradition, these are, it's pretty clearly identifiable who the top minds are. And becoming acquainted with them and what they thought and understanding this all will conduce perhaps to wisdom and virtue. Or at least that's what you're trying to puzzle out. To, that, that's what becoming an educated person truly means. It doesn't, truly, it doesn't mean being gang-pressed into some particular political position and then be, having a parrot-like ability to imitate what you've heard from your left-wing professor. That's what silly women who don't think think is education. Oh, you're ignorant if you say something they haven't heard before. They identify they are not capable of seeing behind the label and separating the thing from its covering. But the thing and its covering are two very different things. Education is not equal to certain political positions. You understand what I'm trying to say. I've I've hit on that theme many times. But the point was that college has lost sight of this mission that the idea of college basically has to be and the funny thing is he actually at the end of the book cites my own place as a good example of of the right way of doing it at least in terms of the organization where you have a number of colleges that are kind of clustered together they they may pool resources to build like a library and ho- 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 host a graduate school but they're they're smaller colleges sort of the they call it the ox Oxbridge model, which is these little colleges that together may group up to form a university, Oxford and Cambridge being the two the, uh, the two main universities in England. And I guess his own St. Andrews in Scotland was a similar design where you have basically colleges for a limited number of people. They have to form a serious community of senior scholars, the professors and junior scholars, the students, and they have to be kind of eat together and kind of live in the same area. It's not something that can be done with 40,000 students, say, attending Eastern Michigan or Michigan State. That's not a college. That's just a, he always calls it Behemoth U or Brummagem University, you know, it's scattered baubles. And that's what underlay, and he sympathizes with the radical alienation many felt in the 60s as, as this sort of mass number of people going to college ended up in these newly built institutions where they were just getting shitty grad students to teach them instead of real professors because the universities were trying to win grants and the real professors were doing other work or they couldn't afford to hire them or there just simply aren't that many to go around 
as they tried to turn college from something that was fit for the top intellectual social 10% to something that basically everyone who graduated from high school should go to college. That's kind of their ideal because that would, that would expand their bureaucracy to the utmost point, you see. And when you do that, you lose the side of the colleges as basically something that's like in my school, Pomona, there's maybe 400 people and there's a handful of there's a limited number of very high level professors and conceivably and they certainly pitch it you could have good relationship now, I didn't personally I was at odds with them continually almost everybody apart from certain women and friends that I had I was at odds with the president the deans and some of the professors in fact, only one professor ever had a good word to say for me. And that was a Jew professor from Brooklyn. And I heard that from my friend who was a Jew. So there's your irony for you. And most, most of the time it was me doing battle with these wasps. And uh, I've written about that. And I will continue to write about that more. And I, am, I continue to vex my alma mater because I don't like how they do things. I don't like the cut of their jib. I will go after them. They will shrink from me they always have and I will continue to be right and if I if not winning I will continue to dominate in the way that matters which is that I've I've been right all the way along and they've never had one good answer for anything I've said and, and you, you call that carrying grudge but it really isn't I could call it on the other side I could say I'm just being loyal to the college motto they only are loyal who in departing bear their added gifts in trust for mankind I used to walk by it, and unlike maybe many people, I actually thought about what that meant. Now, I don't find that they added a hell of a lot of gifts to me. I find that the gifts I have come from, and I, I freely credit the people, but they're people that I dug up and read because I could tell they had something actually teach me, even though they weren't living people. They were dead in a book. They're the ones who taught me what I freaking know. And I acknowledge great with great gratitude my intellectual provenance I, I those are people i love i mean I, they are people who made me who showed me in a in, when in the real world you just don't find people who actually help you with that very often and a little of that is what i'm trying to convey to others because god i always wished i had a good context when i was in college okay someone's paying for it well thanks but have you investigated the the linder chow they're feeding me it's, it's really not very healthy it really is. It's really some pretty much some shit. But you know what? Just as I said about Shakespeare, that's how people are, man. They they want the name, man. They can't tell a real. Oh, what's a word? I should be able to draw from some kind of clothes. But what what do I know about it? Oh, I know like Louis Vuitton or Vuitton or Vuitton. They don't know. You know, one of one of those one of our coach purses or something that women like that's super high end, but it's always knocked off and sold fake these people don't care it's all about the label so oh this is an elite school look it came in number two on some magazine some goofy magazines list therefore it's good therefore it's worth the money but this is not the right way to look at this is not what college is this is not liberal liberal arts this is not the true meaning and nature of a university it's not there for everybody for people who don't truly desire and hunger to learn college has no place it's not there for it's not job training it's not there to 
just take up time and space and get people into debt. But yeah, that's basically what it is for nowadays. It's just a way to, it's a debt scam more than anything else, a debt scam. And real learning is what you get from listening to people like me or finding other people who actually know what they're talking about and reading what they have to say and thinking about it. Ultimately, reading and thinking. But even better than that, I saw I saw somewhere on the social media a good graphic and a, supposedly a Chinese proverb that talking to one intelligent man is worth you know ten years of book study, and that's absolutely true. And I never had a good relationship with professors, and I didn't have bad relationship. I just didn't have a good relationship with professors, and I didn't have any personal relationship with professors because I really. I felt at odds with what they were with what I was hearing. Most of them were either advisors, like FDR relatives, or WASP liberals who were undeniably very high IQ, undeniably learned and competent in their field. But I just didn't agree with any of their presuppositions. I didn't agree with the world they're manifestly and very obviously trying to build. It seemed to me very destructive, and so I didn't have personal. Rate. But after school, I once uh, once I had. A good long interview. I thought I would write articles out of it, but I never did. But I, I got immense value out of just talking to the fellow, uh, you know, personally and transcribing what he wrote. And that was Frederick Lynch, author of Invisible Victims, sort of the first study of white victims of affirmative action. And about 20 or before VNN, when I was still just thinking about it, back in the early 90s, I talked to him and just it's absolutely true that Chinese proverb, you find someone really intelligent and talk to them for hours and you will you will make the greatest pro, pro, progress you will ever make intellectually. Reading books is a sad second hand, but usually it's the best we have because truly intelligent, worthwhile, useful people are hard to come by. And even if you know them, there's probably a lot of other people clamoring to get next to them and to hear what they have to say and they may they may have their own writing agenda or whatever and and but but learning is is reading a bunch of books and then talking to this kind of people one on one or in small groups sort of seminars but ideally one on one and that's how you really learn what's going on in the world and Beyond that, you just got to find good stuff where you can and read it and really apply your own brain and think about it. Because I say to you, contrary to what, although your brain can lead you wrong in a thousand ways, the man who thinks for himself is still more admirable than the man who blindly follows the Catholic priest. To me, that's self-evident. If that's really all you aspire to be is is a Catholic who follows a priest and does what the priest tells you, I, I think you're pathetic. I don't think you're a man. I think you are. I think there's a very real reason that those types call themselves sheep, and they're always they're always the ones who are pushing the bad agenda. They're put they're in the NEA. They're pushing that crap. They're repeaters, and it doesn't matter what they're repeating. Is they don't think about it because they sign their heads over. So, if you're not willing to think, I don't I don't see how you can be considered a man. Because even dumb people can think well enough to realize they don't know something and figure out who does know something and then uh, see what he has to say. But ultimately, you cannot subcontract your thinking without subcontracting your manliness. I very much believe that. That's a staple of my philosophy. 
So do your own thinking. And you know what? You have sense organs for a reason. They do work. And that goes for your brain as well. Your brain also works. Just acknowledge reality and, and pay constant attention to it. Don't draw conclusions beyond what you can draw reasonably. But also don't refrain from drawing conclusions out of social fear. If you can see that niggers are niggers... Well, maybe you don't call them niggers in public, but you, you sure as hell internally acknowledge, hey, these are not what they're presented to be by the media. The media are covering it up for a reason, but I see them for what they are. I don't care what my priest says. I don't care what the politician says. I don't care what the press says. I see the reality, and I operate in line with the reality. And then you will be a man, a white man. And not just some little spiritual queer that's, warming a pew or warming those horrible little desks that are in all public schools that are too small (laughs) instruments of torture you know honestly you know they design fast food booths deliberately to be uncomfortable so that people will get in and out because it's not high or fine dining where they want you to linger and stay and be comfortable and, and you have a lot of money to spend they design them to dry people out in and out because it's fast food you're supposed to eat it and go so just think about like that mentality is apparently applied to public schools they have those crappy little desks and there's no room public schooling is is an absolute menace menace to society and should be abolished if I haven't said that a hundred times I'll say it a hundred more menace to society but anyway this is the basis of the book, Decadence Renewal and Higher Education. So you get these tens of thousands of flocking in people where before college is small. So they rapidly grow, grow, grow. All these tiny little normal schools, i.e. a normal school is a teacher training college that becomes then a, a college and then becomes a university. Truman State here in Missouri, I've mentioned, began as a normal school. Actually, one of my ancestors was one of the two or three men who got it here in Kirksville instead of uh, in Sedalia, I believe. It went from, you know, from a, true, from a normal school where they train teachers to Northeast Missouri State University and then Truman State University, even though Truman has nothing to do with this part of the uh, state. Nemo, he was over in Kansas City, but still, at least it's a short, simple name, so can't go wrong with short simple names can you and uh the point is this metastasis took place across america and uh everything was geared at making colleges bigger and and more money coming and eventually the feds got involved and all this led to a decline in standards and this is what Kirk is really going off about but we'll we'll talk about that next time i have a number of points that i made when i was reading the book But I'm not going to go into that now because we've already been going for an hour and a half and it would take me another two, three hours to really go through point by point. But I want you to understand, that's why I say it's things 15 freaking times. He's writing a story, oh, don't repeat thing, don't, hey, do repeat thing, do repeat thing, do repeat. There's a reason that people have refrains and musical stuff and the musical stuff is so much easier to remember. What are the points of education? Do you remember what I said 15 times before? Wisdom and virtue, wisdom and virtue. Is something making you wiser and more virtuous than it's maybe educating you successfully, right? As well as making you feel a little bit Napoleon. I'm going to add that to Plato. Can I add to Plato? Oh, my God. That is so arrogant. 
That is so arrogant. Who am I? I'm going to say you need a little gravy of abundance to that wisdom and virtue. There's got to be a little hop in your pop, a little pop in your hop, a little slop too. But now it's time for me to go. I created yesterday a little modest uh, architecture for an earthworm. I tried, to, I tried to look at things and get down and look at them from the lubricus terrestris' point of view. So what is an earthworm like? How about a modest rocky enclosure replete with rotting leaves? Maybe a soup zone of ripped up funny papers. A little newsprint should it come my way. And some delicious black loam. Oh, oh delicious as the loamy loins of a nice 19-year-old girl. Oh, I think you know what I'm talking about. And maybe some coffee grounds, but you know, I don't, I don't eat that kind of coffee anymore. If I did, I would be putting those coffee grounds into my earthworm habitat and for the endangered North American earthworm. Somebody, somebody please think of the worms. I'm thinking about future generations of worms and their needs, the services they are going to need provided for them. Anyway. It's just too nice of a day to stay indoors is what I'm finding. I need to go out and I need to plant some seeds. I need to put my seedlings into the real world. I hope I prepared them properly in their seed bed. I've tried to transition them by putting them outside certain days, let them feel the wind blow through their hair, their frizzy green hair that they have. And now it's going to become all too real. We are keeping it real for these plants. We're putting them in the ground where they belong. Like returning a baby eagle to the wild after it got hit by a electric line truck. That's how I feel about about plants. They don't belong indoors. They belong outdoors, running wild and free like their kind do. Because that's what they're meant to be. They're not meant to be caged or cooped up. They're plants, man. They run. They're born free. They need to be free. Plants are animals, man. They're little green animal straws. They may not be visible to you. If you look at some time-lapse photography, you'll see exactly what I mean, baby. <sighs> saying plants aren't animals is like saying tetherball isn't a sport. You know what? It is a sport. All right, now we're going to end with a modest song. Maybe two modest songs. Anyway, we're in it with a little selection. I think you'll like it. You've probably heard it before. And now we'll be at about, wrap it up about 140. Well, like I said, don't fear. We will go over the Russell Kirk book in uh, much greater detail next time. And I will, uh, I will hit point by point about, I've got about 20 different pages marked. Lots, lots to discuss, but we hit the main point. Wisdom and virtue. That's what, uh, those are the true ends of education. To come and shoot you like when fabulous made Ray J mad. This fat city looked like a faggot. They were this pat singing to a man while he played piano. Man, oh man, that was a 24 7 special on the cable channel. So Ray J went straight to the radio station the very next day. Hey, fat, I'ma kill you. Lyrics coming at you with supersonic speed. JJ Ah, summer, I'ma do my lama, you assume I'm a human. What I gotta do to get it through to you? I'm superhuman, innovative, and I made a rubble. So that anything you say is ficus shaking off of me and it'll glue you and devastating more than ever. Demonstrating how to give a motherfucking audience a feeling like it's levitating, never fading. And I know the haters are forever waiting for the day that they can say I fell off to be celebrating. Cause I know the way to get them motivated. I make 
elevating music, you make elevator music. Oh, he's too mainstream. Well, that's what they do when they get jealous, they confuse it. It's not hip hop, it's pop. Cause I found a hell of a way to fuse it. With rock, shock rap, with doc. Don't lose yourself, I make him lose it. I don't know how to make songs like that. I don't know what words to use. Let me know when it occurs to you while I'm ripping any one of these verses. The verses you use curtains, I'm inadvertently hurting you. How many verses I gotta murder to prove that if you were half as nice as songs, you could sacrifice virgins to? Uh! School flunky, pill junkie. But look at the accolades, these skills brought me full of myself, but still hungry. So good, and here's a song I referred to on the show. It's an old Negro spiritual. Hit your head bad like a no-be coming through. Like, 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 we ain't never been to the loop. Well, it's the weekend, we moving like burn. feel sorry for them, but they really just don't belong to This is the best thing we can do with them. video on my Twitter, Alex Lander 5. Louisville. Louisville. 
All right, we can't end on a nigger note. We'll have to find one more. Hey, Professor, take it easy. All right, we'll end with this.
Thus endeth show oh oh seven. That's German for seven. God die.